You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Look in Acts chapter 13. Uh, if you've been here with us in this series on the book of Acts, you'll know that the church at Jerusalem is in serious trouble. Uh, they've just been, uh, they've just lost the apostle James by uh, Herod's sword. The Peter went into jail. God miraculously heard prayer and brought Peter out of that prison, but Peter disappears into the night and he goes into hiding. We're going to see Peter really walking off the pages of the book of Acts here. And we see him one more time in Acts chapter 15, and that's it. And God is making a transition from the church at Jerusalem to the church at Antioch. And there has been a reason for that because God had offered all of this to the Jews. We went through this uh, way back in the beginning of this series when God opened up the message of the kingdom through the Jews, and the Jews now have rejected and have resisted, and God has opened the door to the Gentiles and His eternal purpose that in the Gentiles, through the New Testament church, God would be glorified. And this is all part of God's plan, and we're seeing it unfolding in the book of Acts from chapter 12 to chapter 13. God closes the book, uh, the, closes the chapter on, on Israel with the church at Jerusalem in great trouble. They're facing famine. They are facing political hardship. They're facing persecution. Uh, we're going to see later in Paul's ministry, he's going to go to all the other churches and collect offerings to send relief back to these poor, suffering saints in Jerusalem. A church that at one time had such a great touch of God on it is now in a place of difficulty and, and persecution. And here that church at Jerusalem is going through this time of trial and tribulation, God takes Herod and uh, gives him worms, and Herod dies, and God's dealing with the crooked politicians, right? And with all that's going on in the world, the corruption in politics, with all that's going in the, on the world, the, the coming economic collapse to Jerusalem, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about two millennia ago, I'm talking about it this time, it sounds familiar though, doesn't it? Uh, But the crooked politicians, the political pressure upon the church, the coming economic collapse, uh, the famine that was about to face the day, uh, this, all of this pressure that was going on in the world, (laughs) there was no panic in heaven. You know what God just focused his attention on? Chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them and when they had fasted and prayed they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Now, let me just call your attention to what God just did. In the midst of all the political problems of the world, 
with all of the chaos of the world, God focuses the attention on where his attention is, the church. The church. Do you know the thing that's going on in the world today that God has all of his attention and focus on is the, is the New Testament church. The most important institution on the planet today is the New Testament church. There are a lot of great institutions that do a lot of good things, but there's none like the church. Uh, now, now, we've lost sight, many of us in America, in modern day Christianity, we've lost sight of the significance and the importance of the church. Let me remind you very quickly, the church is not just a building that we walk into and attend. Uh, the church is not something that belongs to us. No, rather, look at verse number one of chapter 13, now there were in the church. Uh, he, t- he, t- he talks about talks about these five different people that were in this church. And if you, if you understand that connotation, they were in this church. They were a part of it. They were members of it. They were belonging to it. A church, listen to me, is not something that you attend. It is a body to which you belong. And the church doesn't belong to you, and the church doesn't belong to me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, Upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm not building a church. You're not building a church. Jesus is building his church. And the church belongs to him. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, that God, uh, the Bible says, which is the church of the living God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So the church is the blood-bought body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is the church? The church is, the word church is ecclesia, or a called-out assembly. And there are many churches around the world today. There are churches, all kinds of churches. There are people who've been called out to assemble for political purposes, for business purposes, for many purposes. But there's only one church or assembly that belongs to Jesus Christ. And that's an assembly that has been called out from the world. And it is a body of born again, listen to this, born again, baptized believers. The only way that a person can be a true member of a New Testament church is to be born again, which means to be born from above. You have to know Christ as a personal Savior. And you must have followed in public identification with Christ through scriptural baptism. Being baptized by immersion, picturing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ after your salvation. The Bible tells us in Acts 2.41, and then they that gladly received his word, which means they were born again, were baptized, and the same day they were added unto the church. Now, that's exactly the process that God has set up for the church from the very beginning, that born again, baptized believers are now uh, members of the church. Now, when I say the church... I'm not talking about a church collective or a church universal. One day there will be one church. We'll all be gathered together with Christ, and we will all be together. But at that moment, it'll still be a local church. It'll be together in heaven. It'll be a visible church, and we'll all see one another. And and so today, the way the church is operating is through individual, independent, local assemblies who live out 
the, the calling of God on their life. Um, we are not just, we're not belonging to some invisible army. We are part of a visible body. And we are members one to another. We're not just attached to some invisible thing. We're attached to one another in the body. And it's, that's taught all the way through the Scripture. You had the church at Corinth. You had the church at Ephesus. You had the church at Philippi. You had the church at, at Thessalonica. You had the church at Crete. You had the churches, churches of Galatia. And so, uh, you, God works through the local New Testament church. And there's a purpose for that church. And I, want, I think today we have so cheapened the idea of church. Through the church's marketing schemes, trying to be in competition with the church across town, trying to have a better music program, better band, better preachers, better entertainment, better children's programs. And what we've done is we have cheapened the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to see the purpose of it very simply, but I want you to see this today in your Bible. Look in your Bible. I want you to look at it with with your own eyes. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to show you something that ought to cause you to sit alone sometime this week in consternation and meditation and adoration that you have the opportunity to be a part of something like this. You ought to sit, this, this, this ought to absolutely flabbergast every one of you. I know it does me. I read it, I read it on black ink on white paper and I still don't grasp all of it. But I know that it's true because God wrote it. Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said, verse number 1, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me to you word, he said, he said I'm, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles because God gave me that grace to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And notice what he said in verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Now, now, everybody look right here for just a minute. Paul said, I want to talk to you Gentiles about something because I've just gone through chapter 1, chapter 2 of Ephesians, and I'm telling you about how God has placed you into Jesus Christ, how he has put you into him. In him you have redemption of your sins. In him you belong. He, you are now seated in Christ in heavenly places. This is something that God has done with you through the salvation that you have in Christ Jesus. It is, chapters 1 and 2 of Ephesians are extremely doctrinally rich. They are, they are amazingly rich. And Paul said, now, I'm telling you all of that doctrine to you Gentiles because God gave me grace to tell you Gentiles because he revealed to me a mystery. He's going to tell us later in chapter 5 that that mystery that was revealed to Paul was the church. And the mystery is something that God had before hidden but now in due time revealed. The Old Testament saints didn't know about the church. Many of the apostles didn't understand anything about the church. When Jesus first introduced it in in Matthew chapter 16, they didn't really understand what Jesus was talking about with this church. That's why it took even Peter uh, some 10 years from Pentecost to begin to take the gospel to the Gentiles willingly. They didn't fully comprehend it because the church was a mystery. I'm going to show you what that mystery was and why God did it this way. Look at it. Look at this in your Bible. Now, now, just make yourself, make yourself, pull yourself in and make yourself spiritually pay attention to this. Uh, focus on this for a minute. I want you to really give this 
your utmost attention because God is giving this church his utmost attention. And I think this church ought to give this its utmost attention. Watch what he said. Paul said, I've, I've, it was made known by revelation to me the mystery. Verse number four, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, he's, he's talking about, the, he's talking about this, this mystery, he's talking about this mystery that was revealed to him that in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by his spirit. He said, okay, now there's a mystery that has been revealed to me that in ages past was not revealed to men. But now in this day of the holy prophets and this day of the holy apostles, God has given us this ministry. God has set some in the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. God has set some in the church, first apostles. Uh, Jesus said in, in um, Paul had just written in Ephesians chapter 2, the chapter before this, that, that we are built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're talking about this church. He's talking about the church that in ages before before was not known, but now is revealed, and it's in a mystery form that God is now revealing this church. Now watch this. Well, here's what was revealed. What was revealed? Verse number six. What was revealed? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Did you read that? Paul said, whereof I was made a minister. That's what God called me to do, was to go tell the Gentiles the good news that God has revealed that it was his plan all along. It was hidden, but it was his plan all along to bring the Gentiles into this glorious gospel and put them in this one body with Christ. He said, I was made a minister of that. Now look down. He talks about himself for just a moment, but I want you to see down in in verse number nine. And he said, and to make all men see, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world, now watch this, which from the beginning of the world hath been, what's the next word? Which hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now, okay, now watch this very carefully. Paul said, look, I'm writing to you about this mystery. This mystery, I'm writing to you about a mystery that was given to me by revelation. That God has all along had this mystery, but he's hidden it in himself. He's revealed it to nobody. Nobody understood this mystery. Nobody knew the mystery. This was God's purpose and plan all along. But God hid this mystery in himself through all ages. Until this time, God unveils this mystery. And he allows this new entity, this new body, this new, this new living, breathing blood-bought body of believers to be unleashed into the world. To what end? To what end? To what end? To the intent that now unto principalities and powers. Who is that? Satan, demons, Michael, angels, angelic beings, both heavenly and hellish beings. 
the angels of God and the angels of Satan, that unto those principalities and to unto those powers in heavenly places might be shown by the, or known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Do you know what God has done today? God has hid this mystery from the very beginning, before there was ever an earth, before there was ever the world, before the foundations of the world, Christ was already crucified. Before the foundations of the world, God had already chosen to use his church to reveal his wisdom and his glory. And God hid it, and he created the heavens and the earth. And in the due time, in the due process of time, God brings out this church, this born-again, baptized body of believers, Jews and Gentiles, united in the spirit of Christ, through the Lord Jesus Christ, bought by his cross, bought by his life, united into one body, God unleashes them into the world, that through them, he would be able to show his wisdom to both angels in heaven and in hell, and he can show his glory and his power. No wonder the Bible says in 1 Peter that the angels of heaven, the angels were looking at this thing called salvation, and they were searching diligently They were searching diligently to find out what salvation was all about. The angels themselves desired to look into it. And through that, they give glory to God. Listen, through this church, now listen, now some of you, 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 you've never considered this because we come to church with a yawn. We come to church with this, well, I just got to get there. I got to get and get my seat. And boy, I hope the preacher doesn't preach too long. I got to get out. And when we, we get here and we have no idea, but what God is doing in his church is God is revealing things in his church that make the heavenly angels fall before him and say, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, what wisdom you have. And it makes, it makes Satan and, and those who have rebelled against God, it makes them cower in anger and in fear that there is a blood-bought people who are preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're doing it in ways that angels can't do it. They're doing it in ways that heavenly bodies can't do it. They're doing it in the ways that the stars and the sun and the moon can't do it. These are people who were one time ungodly and undone and enemies of God in their filth and in their sin and in their wretchedness, and then they came to Christ, and they were washed, and they were cleansed, and they were reconciled and they were redeemed and they were taken out of darkness and put into his light. They were taken out of sin and put on righteousness. They were taken out of unholiness and walking as the children of God. And these people are now walking out of, out of chains and into the liberty of Christ to tell the whole world about this glory. And it baffles the minds of hell and it gives glory to God. See, you didn't know that you were doing that today. The church has been lulled into this irrelevant, unimportant institution that just has to figure out how to get people to attend, when that couldn't be further from the truth of what the New Testament church is. And watch this very carefully. Verse number 10, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, by the church, by the church, the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our 
Lord. Look down at verse number 26. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church. What is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to bring glory to God in heaven and in earth. The church brings glory to God. You say, well, man, how do we do that? Simple. We do that by doing what the church was made to do. We, we don't have to conjure up some way to glorify God. We glorify God by just being and doing what he's called us to be and do. And let me show you what that is. Acts chapter 2. Run with me. Now, that was the whole bulk of the introduction, and the rest of the message is rapid fire, simple. Simple. And you better get this. God has made us as a church. Listen, listen. There are always going to be Herods who are going to try to threaten the church. There are always going to be famines coming to threaten the the economic stability of the world. There are always going to be difficult times. There are always going to be the Jameses who have to be persecuted and die for the cause of Christ. There will always be the, 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 the Apostle Peter who gets released and God does miracles through him. There's always going to be the turbulence in the world. In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, church. God has eternal purposes for us to bring glory to the name of God. And in the middle of all of this, bring the crooked politicians, bring the wickedness of the world, bring the hardships, bring the, bring, bring the famines, bring the, the times of plenty, bring the times of poverty, just exactly what Brother Jared was saying a moment ago, bring the good, bring the bad, and in all of that, the church brings glory to God. How? By doing what the church is supposed to do, rain or shine. Doing what the church is supposed to do in good and in bad. Whether the church is living in America in a land of plenty or the church is existing in China in underground places where they're meeting in secrecy. The church is to carry out what the church is to do and be wherever the church is. And here's what it's supposed to do. Acts chapter 2. This is the very foundation of it. Watch this. This is how the church brings glory to God. Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. This is is it. At Pentecost, God brings these 3,000 people. He brings them in through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, through their baptism, and he adds them to this first church of apostles, and here they go. This church now is 3,120, and they are exploding with the Holy Spirit's power. They are coming forward as a, as a new as a new mystery body that God is revealing into the world. And here they are. And what do they do? What do they do? Verse number 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and every one and with many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking a bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved you know it's amazing today we sit around and we talk about churches and we, we start talking about, well, what is the liturgy of that church? 
What's its, litur- what's its liturgical order? I mean, how does the church structure its services? And what is the style of worship? Do they sing sacred uh, music? Or do they, sing, uh, do they sing contemporary music? Or do they have a choir? Or do they have a praise band? Or do they have an awana? Or do they have a youth group? Or is there a, is there a group for this? And do they have this? And, and we, we go to churches and we just kind of shop like a consumer. We want to go shop and we want to find what the church can do for me and what it can be for me. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, Those things are all important, and the church needs to have ministries, and every church has a liturgy. Every church has its worship style. Every church, uh, listen, it's it's all important, but can I tell you, you can't open the scripture and tell me what the Ephesus church, what the church at Ephesus, you can't tell me what their order of service was. You can't tell me if they had a choir or an ensemble. You can't tell me what days of the week they met for service. You can't tell me how many times on Sunday they met for a church service. You can't tell me any of that at the church of Philippi, at the church of Thessalonica, at the church of Crete. You can't tell me anything about any of those churches on all of that, and I'll tell you why. Because we have learned how to major on the things that are not important while we ignore the things the church is to be and do. And we think, well, if the church meets my taste, well, this is my preference, well, this is a good church. Well, you know what? It may be a church that meets your preference, but it's not a church glorifying to God. Because it's a church that's proud of its liturgy. It's proud of how excellent it does its sacred music. It may be a church that's so well, so, so very, very, very proud of its rock band. It might be a church that's extremely arrogant and proud of its, of its choirs and its programs and its organization and its buildings. And, and it has all the things that certain people, and it, it just meets all the niches of people's lives. And, and it, it appeals and, and uh, it, it one-ups the church across town with this and that. But can I tell you, can I tell you, that's not what the church was made to do. And in, in, in so much of that, in so much of that, the church gets the glory and God doesn't. In so much of that, the pastor gets the glory and God doesn't. In so much of that, we come into church proud of our liturgy. And can I tell you what God does with the proud? He resists the proud. You know, one of the reasons why I believe God sent COVID the way he did and shook things up, and one of the reasons why, as a pastor, I felt burdened as a pastor that I was not going to just put my head down and try to rush back into normal. This was a time that God had shook things, and we better step back and say, okay, wait a minute. Who are we? Where are we? What are we? What does the Bible say? And, and the Bible sent us back, or the Holy Spirit sent us as a church back to the book of Acts so that we could hit a spiritual reset and say, wait a minute, who is the church? What is the church? What are we to be doing in the world today? And how does the church impact the world around us and bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ? How does it do that? And there are people who will criticize. Well, why aren't we doing this? Well, why aren't we, well, you know, we used to do it this way. Well, okay. Okay. Do you have a chapter and verse for where that is, where we do it that way? 
But I've got a chapter and verse and many chapters and verses on what we're supposed to be doing. And I want to just tell you, the last three years of being the pastor here, uh, God has done a stretching and a breaking and a, and a working in me. And I am more passionate than ever in my life. I want to belong to a church that brings glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to reach this world for Christ. I want, we're going to hell as a nation and as a world. And people are suffering. I've dealt with young people the last 14 days. I've dealt with ninth graders and 10th graders who are gender confused and cutting themselves and so crazed in their minds from a world that is so inept and corrupt and the church is fighting over things the Bible has, has, has no say in while we're sitting negligent in the things that we must be doing. We must be about our Father's business. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ has been hidden in God and revealed in these days to bring glory to God. And we want to be comfortable. We, we, we want to come in what's, what's normal and comfortable to us. But you know what, Peter? Sometimes God has to send you to uncomfortable places. And you know what, Paul? Hebrew of the Hebrews and a Pharisee of the Pharisees, sometimes you have to sit down with barbarians and eat with them and eat unclean foods. And you have to figure out in all of that, in all of this, how does God get the glory? I don't want to just belong to a church that I feel good about. I want to belong to a church where Jesus is preeminent and God is glorified. How do we do that? Here it is. This is simple. Number one, the church continues in doctrine. The church continues in doctrine. How does the church bring glory to God? By building each other up in what we believe. We have a commandment of God to edify one another and to, listen to me, we have a commandment as a church to build each other up in the most holy faith. Let me ask you a question right now. Who are you imparting the faith to? Who are you speaking doctrine? Whose life are you speaking doctrine into right now? We are to continue in the doctrine of, and, and teaching and training and giving. And by the way, these are not an order of importance because these are all important. It's not an order of importance. It's, it's a matter of we can't be strong in one and weak in another. These all have to be, exist in a healthy church. Building up each other in what we believe. Why? Because what we believe determines how we behave. This includes discipleship. This includes laying biblical foundations for other people. Listen, some of us, some of us in this room right now, you, you're, you're just sitting out on the fringes and you're not jumping in into a place. And, and I understand, there's a new pastor, we're three years in, we've had, a lot of, we've had a lot of transition and change. There's still a lot to do, there's still a lot to accomplish, there's still a lot of organization. There's a lot of vision in my heart, there's a lot of moving pieces on getting all of that forward and this is not, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's a piece by piece. But can I tell you something? You can't just sit back on the fringes, you can't just sit back on the fringes and expect doctrine to advance. 
laying biblical foundations in the lives of others, helping younger believers understand that truth matters and this is what the Bible says. And what does this do when we, when we, when we sit down and we, we, we work in discipleship and we work in doctrine? What does this do? It results in mature, committed, and stable believers. Why are there so many believers that get caught up in the schemes and the plans of this world and driven about with every wind of doctrine? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Because so many are not grounded and rooted in Christ because the church has lost its emphasis on teaching sound biblical doctrine one to another. Number two, they continued in fellowship. Fellowship. Now, when we think of fellowship, we think about meeting at Denny's and having a piece of pie. But the old English word fellowship has the idea of fellows in the same ship. Think about some fellows in the same ship. What are those fellows doing? They're rowing together. This is a membership. Listen to me. Listen to me. God God does not have Lone Ranger Christians. In the New Testament, you're never going to see Lone Rangers. It's always we. It's always us. It's Paul saying, be of one mind. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. Be of one heart, mind the same things, speak the same things, do the same things, row in the same direction. Let's all pull the oars together as one body, as one member, as one team. It's a body in fellowship. It's a body in relationship. This word fellowship has nothing to do with eating pizza after the service. This has everything to do with being members one of another and striving together for the faith of the gospel. Then what? The church is to carry out doctrine. The church is to have fellowship. It's to have that relationship. Remember, it's Jesus and relationships. It's the body in one, in one member. And then look at, number, look at the third thing very quickly. The Bible says in verse number, in verse number uh, uh, 42, uh, doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. What is this? This is worship. The breaking of bread has the idea of what we're about to do in a moment of taking the Lord's Supper and remembering the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the church gathering together to remember that Christ broke his body to put us in the body. It's a time where we come to this table and remember the price that was paid for our unity and for our belonging and for this, that that mystery that we get to be a part of was paid for in blood. And that are we members in this body worthy of the brokenness of that body? That's what this table is to do. This is not just a tradition. This is not something that's just in a church constitution to be done 10 times a year. This is something the church gathers together with a heart that says, in all things, Christ has the preeminence. And I belong to this body because of that body that was broken for me. And I want to be walking worthy of that. Everybody with me today? It's the worship of the church. Listen, listen. And when he talks about worship, it's way more than just your stylistic preferences. Worship is that in all things, he is worthy. That when we sing, we sing to the worthiness of his name. When we 
pray, we pray to the worthiness of his name. We pray in his name and for his name and for his name's sake that his will would be done. The church collectively in the same ship, in the same doctrinal foundation, pulling together in worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how the church brings glory to God. Next. Verse 44, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now, I want to understand, we distinguished this when we went through this chapter. There was some, there was some, some uh, uh, intricacies to this because of the Jewish context and the kingdom message that was being offered of the kingdom of the kingdom for the Jews. But the principle for the church remains in that this church was taking care of one another's needs. The church was looking out for the needs of one another. Verse number, verse number 46, and they, here they are together, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. Now, this is not the Lord's Supper breaking bread. This is the fellowship and relationship part of breaking bread. This is actually the serving side of the church. So, how does the church bring glory to God? In its continuation to teach and preach doctrine, to ground people and build them up in the faith. How does the church bring glory to God? But How does the church bring glory to God? By fellow by the church being in unity, by the church having that bond of peace that we're in the same boat, pulling the same direction with all of us as one body, as one man, with one mind, minding and speaking and teaching and doing the same thing for the same purpose. It's the church together in worship and and putting Christ first and giving him preeminence and putting Christ before all and that in all things he, the head of the body, might have the the preeminence in worship. And then it's in serving one another. It's every man looking for opportunities and needs of one another. By the way, you can't do that when you slip in and slip out. And you can't do that by just coming to services. You got to get to know people. It's going house to house. It's getting into fellowships. It's bringing people in. It's having hospitality. It's getting to know people. It's getting into, it's getting into seeing who they are and where they're from and this single mom and this person who came from this background. And it's getting into seeing the opportunities and the needs in people's lives where God can use you to minister. The church serving. The church serving. The church serving. Listen, we're living in a world where the church, everybody's saying, get what you can get, and you come to a church. How does a church glorify God? When there's a body of people who are serving each other, uh, preferring one another above themselves, putting the needs of others above themselves. A serving church. It's not just having a little place in the church where you have a, a, you know, oh, this is my area where I do my religious duty. No, no, no. No, it's having a heart to get to know people and love them and to meet them in their needs. Fifth, look at this. Look at, look at how they did this in verse 46. They went, they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. You see the unity, the unity, you need, see the body, 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 see how God has this body that's doing these things. And watch what happens in verse number 47, praising God. Look at what they're doing. They're praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What is the church to be doing? Outreaching, outreaching. How do you outreach, pastor? Do you have a Thursday night meeting? Well, yeah, you can. 
That's one way to do it. You can do that. You can do it on Saturdays, but you can do it on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You can do it everywhere you go when the church just has an attitude of praising God everywhere they go. Now, what does that mean, praising God? Peter said it this way. Peter said it this way. Peter said, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The church is just a people going around talking about how God delivered me. Can I tell you, can I tell you how good God is? It's, it's, when, it's in your sphere of influence with your family and your friends and your coworkers and people you come into acquaintance with. It's, it's not just a church gathering together and going out and knocking doors, although we can do that and ought to do that and we need to have outreaches as a church. Yes, we should, but let me tell you something. The, the main outreach of the church is just God's people going everywhere, praising the Lord and showing forth it. God, listen, he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. What do you mean by that, pastor? It's us going out in the world saying, man, Jesus made a night and day difference in my life. I was blind, but now I see. I was in chains, but now I'm free. Let me tell you what the Lord did for me. And that church was adding to it daily such as should be saved. Ah, you can get your little curmudgeon on, fold your arms and say, you know, I don't really agree with the liturgy of this church. Okay, are you worshiping with this church? Are you pulling the oars with this church? Are you in fellowship with this church? Are you serving people in this church? Are you, are you teaching doctrine in this church? Are you reaching others with the gospel of Christ? Once you're doing those, then we can talk. Because the church is not glor- the church is not glorifying to God simply because we have an order of service that pleases every member. The church is glorifying to God when that church is in order, doing and being what God has called it to do and be. And a band of misfit people all baptized into the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus Christ into one body, worshiping and praying and singing and loving and serving and reaching out and bringing people in and teaching them. And that church, God just unveils it and says, hey, devil, come here and look at this. (laughs) Hey, Michael, what do you think? Gabriel, what do you think? And oh, the angels, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, oh, the glory of God, the wisdom of God, and God is glorified. God is glorified. Ah, let Herod be Herod. Let politicians politic. Let economies economy. Let the world do what the world does. But in the church, There were some people ministering and serving and praying and fasting and sending and reaching. (laughs) And in the middle of all of it, God was glorified. Well, that's the purpose of the church. And if you're not saved today, if you're not saved today, I want to tell you right now, today's the day of salvation. You can bow your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want to be a part of that. I want to come to you by faith. I'm repenting of my sin, and I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm calling on the name of the Lord the best way I know how. Lord, remember me. Remember me and save me. You can be saved today. If you're a church member today, and your heart's out of fellowship with the Lord, you need to repent and get it right. 
If you're a church member today and your heart's out of fellowship with your fellow believers, you need to repent today and get it right. That's bringing, that's bringing dishonor to God. If you're just a fringer and you're just sitting on the fringes and you're wanting to make sure that a church checks all your boxes, you need to bow your head humbly and say, okay, Lord, it's not my church. It's your church. And there's no perfect church. And if there was a perfect church, this church wouldn't let me join it. And so today, Lord, I'm going to humbly submit myself to you as the head of the church. And I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I may not agree with everything, but there's never going to be a church that I agree with everything. But I can agree with that doctrine. I want to be a part of helping teach that and build people up in that. And Lord, I can agree with that mission, and I can get an oar, and I can row, and I can be a part of the, the body. And Lord, I can, I, can, I can come together with that church and give preeminence to Jesus Christ with that church. I can come in, and I can give, I can give you worthiness through my, through my life, with my heart, with my prayer, with my lips. I can, I can, I can worship you with that body. And Lord, I'm sure I can, I'm sure, I'm sure, Lord, I'm sure I could look around this body and I could find people who have needs. And I'm sure you could use me to help meet those. And Lord, I'm sure that there are some people out there that are lost that I could go take the gospel to and go show your praises to. And so Lord, there's really no better place to do that than right here. So I might as well just jump in. I don't know what you're waiting on. <laughs> you know, we're so consumeristic. We just need to be Christians. And the church just needs to church and bring glory to God. Paul said, but I fear. Paul said, hey, church, you know who you are? You're the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've espoused you into one husband, and I have a jealousy over you, and I want to bring you to that husband. I want to bring you to that husband, chaste and pure and doing what God's called you to do. But I fear, I fear, lest by any means, through your liturgy, through your programs, through your wishes, through your checklist, by any means, Satan, through his subtlety, will beguile you from the simplicity that's in Christ. And the church will be a complex complex gobbledygook of people arguing about things that the Bible never sets in order, all the while the things that are in order are being left undone. That's my heart today. Lord, I pray you'll speak to us as a church, bind us together by thy Holy Spirit, and may we endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. May we be a church in simplicity and humility, and Lord, in, in just obedient fellowship of Christ, that we would have the strongest worship, and we would have the strongest outreach, and we would have the strongest fellowship, and we would have the strongest doctrine, and we would have, Lord, we would, we would have the strongest serving that we could possibly have through the power of Christ and bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Who would say, Pastor Miller, I'm not saved today. 
I'm not saved. I've come to this service and I don't know Christ as Savior. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand way up high? I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Would you slip your hand way up high? Let me pray with you. How many would say, Pastor, God spoke to my heart in this service about one thing or another, but specifically, I'm just admitting, God spoke to my heart specifically about some things in my life, and I am responding today uh, obediently to how he's dealt with me. Would you slip your hand way up high, way up high, way up high? My hand is with your hand. My hand is with your hand. God has dealt with me today. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for being so focused on self and our desires and losing sight of you and your desires. We see the waves and the turbulence in the world today and we react so fearfully. But Lord, you've just called us to react faithfully. Just keep doing what you've called us to do. Come what may. Lord, I'm sure that in this room today, there are some believers that need to make some things right with you. There are some believers that need to make some assessments in their life about what it means to be a part of a church. And Lord, as we grow in this, that we would begin to take the steps necessary to be the kind of church that brings you glory. Lord, I pray today that you'll do a work. As we come to your table today, remind us that we're a part of this body because of your broken body. And I pray today that you would help us with this. Bind our hearts to you and to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.